Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and rust destroy and thieves break in and steal. But instead, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where thieves cannot break in and steal and moths and rust cannot destroy. For where your treasures lie, there also will your heart be. The, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eye is good, then your body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, then your body will be full of darkness. So then, if the light within you is darkness, how deep is that darkness? You cannot serve two masters, for either you will love the one and hate the other, or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life. Do not worry about what you will eat or what you will drink or your body what you will wear. For isn't life worth more than food and your body more than clothing? Consider the birds of the sky, for they do not reap or sow or gather into barns that your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you worth more than they? Can any one of you add one moment to his life by worrying? Why do you worry about clothes? Observe how the wildflowers of the field grow, for they do not labor or spin thread. And yet I tell you that even Solomon in all of his splendor was not adorned like one of these. So do not worry, or for if, God, <laughs> for if that's how God chooses to grow the grass of the field, which is here today and thrown into the furnace tomorrow, then what more will he do with you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what will we eat, or what will we drink, or what will we wear? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all of these things, and your heavenly Father knows you need them. But instead, seek first the kingdom of heaven and of his righteousness, and all of these things will be provided for you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. I'm so incredibly impressed by our, our youth, are you not? The, the way they memorize scripture is amazing. In the first few centuries of the church, we learned through stained glass windows and shared stories. Then from the ninth century all the way through the, the 13th century, we learned through something called mystery plays, where scripture was acted out in front of us to help bring it alive. That tradition went away for a long time, but sometimes it needs to be brought back. I leaned on Lauren King a bit, a lot, to bring a monologue that she did for the teens to us. Need to understand what she's doing. When she comes in, she's not Lauren. She is acting out who the woman was in Matthew, uh, sorry, Luke chapter 7. A sinful woman who came to a Pharisee's house because she heard Jesus was there. She felt she had nothing to give, but needed so much in return. I want you to please pay attention to the story of the sinful woman and understand how that connects to the scripture you just heard. Can we bring our lights down, please? I've done it all. Anything you can imagine, I've done it. I've sold myself for sex. I needed the money, though. I needed to be able to eat. I've had drunken sex. But then again, what would you expect? I'm a Gentile, right? I've adorned my body with jewelry to show others who I am what I'm willing to do. Last night, something changed. 
but this is who I've been my whole life. No one has ever said anything good about who I am or who I could be, who I come from. Something feels a little bit different now. I've worn my hair and braids to let others know what I would be willing to do. Painted my face to make it clear. I've lived in darkness, a level that a lot of you probably don't understand. And not only have I lived in it, I've created it and I've craved it. This darkness is my life. It's all I know. Lately, people have been talking about this Messiah. People that believe in what he's saying, and there's people that don't, but lots of people are talking. People around here do a lot of talking. Call me names, such as Sinner and Harlot. But lately, they've been quoting this guy, and things sound a little bit different. They say that he's been saying things like, blessed are the poor. I'm poor. He, he was the one that was rejected at Nazareth. He called Levi. I knew Levi. I know this guy is a tax collector. People don't like him either. He gets called names too. But I know him. And then this Messiah called him. Apparently, this Messiah, he told Levi, he said, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I've not come to call the righteous, but the sinners to repentance. The sinners and the sick, that's, that's me. Doesn't sound like... The Pharisees would like this guy. They don't like me either. Recently, all of these people from Judea and Jerusalem came around this man as he was talking. And he said things like, blessed are people that weep and blessed are people that are persecuted. Again, I think that's me. But there's no way that this guy's on my team, right? Sky that people are following, but he's not saying things that other people say. And people don't misquote around here. I didn't just hear this from one neighbor. Everyone is saying it. Recently, he said, love your enemies, do not judge, and give. Love your enemies, do not judge, and give. If just the people that were following this man around actually believed what he was saying and was doing it, my life would look completely different than it does right now. If people would love their enemies and not judge people that look a little bit different than them and maybe give to someone who needs a meal. I want to believe what he's saying is true. Sounds like hope. And at this point, my life's so low, I've got nothing else. I know that it sounds crazy. But my whole life has sounded crazy. The people that I'm around, the other sinners, tax collectors, 
harlots. Some of them are starting to actually think that this is legit, that he's the real deal. have to know for myself. I wanted to know, and I've tried to kind of figure out where he's going. That's not that hard. But it's hard to get to him. There's people around him all the time. Yesterday, I knew where he was going. Sounds a little stalkerish, yeah, but what am I going to do? Get kicked out? I knew the Pharisee's house that he was going to. It was a Pharisee that definitely doesn't like me. But I knew I had to go anyway. So, for the first time in a long time, I covered myself in in some shame, trying to hide myself in shadows and in pathways, making sure that no one would see me, trying to not get called on the streets, lurking almost. I was called upon a few, but this time I didn't stop. This time it wasn't worth it to stop. I had to keep going. I had to know if this man was there, and I had to see him. I was determined. And I went through the small gate, and there was a courtyard with a walkway, and there was an arched door. And there he stood, the Savior. And I had to get closer to him. And so I came closer. And as I did, I couldn't let myself step in front of him. It was all I could do to just fall on my knees. And as I started to weep, I realized that this man truly was just that. He was a Savior. And as I lay there with my tears flowing from my face, my eyes with this darkness of my life, all the dark things that I've seen, tears rolling from my cheeks onto his dirty feet. As the dirt rolled off, I realized that my eyes and tears hitting dirt were the cleanest that they had ever been. Redemption. I wept more, realizing that even though I didn't bring water, I had my tears to wash this man's feet. It was all I could do. And as his feet started to get more and more wet with my tears, I didn't have a towel, but I had my hair. My hair that had been used to bring people in for so many bad things, to have the opportunity to touch the Savior's feet. Redemption. I had brought with me this jar. It doesn't seem like much, but um, it's worth more than I am. Filled with sweet perfume. Again, doesn't seem like a lot, but when you do what I do, this stuff is gold. And I poured this perfume on the Savior's feet, taking in this aroma once in the purest way. I was so overwhelmed by all of my emotions, thinking about this past that I had experienced that didn't matter. I didn't have enough time to feel shame or guilt because in that moment, the peace and the forgiveness from him was overwhelming. He was having a conversation 
with the Pharisee and Simon. I couldn't make out all the words because I was so overwhelmed. It seemed as if he was frustrated that the Pharisee wasn't doing what I was doing. And then he made it very clear he was speaking to me. Jesus, that is. And he came to me and held my face and said, your sins are forgiven. Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Your sins are forgiven. Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. In just a few sentences, the Savior gave me more than anyone had ever given me in my entire life. Peace and forgiveness. And I felt like one of the wealthiest women on the planet. I can't help but think that this peace and forgiveness that he's given me is something that I'm now able to offer. I can give something other than my body. I can give peace and I can give forgiveness to others when they are in need. Because he has given this to me. And I know, I know that you've heard about him. You've had experiences with him. And sometimes it's hard to remember exactly what they were, like something that happened to me last night, but he's been in your life. And it's easy to forget, but I'm here to tell you that he is real, and his peace is overwhelming, and his forgiveness is majestic. It covers all, and I don't have much to give back to him at all, but I do know that anything I have, I want to give him, even if it's something as stupid as this jar. I want to give anything and everything that I have to this man that saved my life. Mark, I'm just going to take about two or three minutes, so when you're ready to rearrange things back here. I hope you can see why I leaned on her. Sometimes the old stories need to be lived out in front of you, not told you. Sometimes we need to put flesh on the stories. When I was a boy, I was confused about several things. I still am, but I was confused then as well. There was a, a line in a song that talked about our sacrifice of praise. Do you remember that line? And I always thought that was wrong because singing was fun. Later in life, I learned that when you sing in the darkness and sing in pain, what it means to sacrifice, to praise. Speaking through pain, that's a different thing. So I went back through scripture and started noticing the lousy gifts people gave God. And there were many of them. Like a jar of perfume. Not something normally one would give to a guy. And I'm not sure what the benefit was. But God can take that and turn it into something else. We have a little boy whose mama packed lunch. He's surrounded by 5,000 guys 
who hadn't thought about lunch, Jesus is able to feed them all with a little bit. Another little boy faced by a giant. By the way, I don't know how little a boy he was then. He could have been a teenager or the like. But he was faced with a giant, gets a sling and five rocks, and he overarmed. Have you ever thought about that? There was no need for five rocks. God just needed one. Give it to God. See what he can do with it. An 80-year-old man with a stick. Moses frees a nation. On and on, people bring little things to God, and he turns them into history-changing things. This woman had nothing. Everything she had was taken from her. God gave her everything he had, which was forgiveness, grace, and peace in exchange for some tears and a broken heart and a bit of perfume. The thing about our God, uh, there are many things that surprise me. But as was read here over the communion, you're not going to be able to get away from his love. Height nor depth, and you remember all that? You're not going to be able to. He's not disappointed in you. But he can take any little thing from your life and turn it into something amazing. But we have to let go. When I was a, uh, had little children in the house, we sent our son to pre-K, not knowing that he would walk in with new stories. They asked him, what do your parents do? He says, well, my daddy makes toys, and my mother's a race car driver. <laughs> we established a deal with our, the teachers that we... If they wouldn't believe what he says about us, we won't believe what he says about them. I don't fix toys. That gene just went right past me. And the kids learned that early. They learned that they would bring me a broken toy, but if they let loose of it, they'd never see it again. And so sometimes it would be something simple. I could just put the wheel back on, and I'd say, just let loose of it. They would not let loose of it because they were smart. If you want to give something to God, you have to let loose. You let loose and see what God can do. Next week, we'll look at this passage again, the, the Matthew 6 passage. But remember the story because it all goes together. It's all one story. Let's all stand, please. And can we all agree on this just as we close this out and sing? While we may not believe we have a lot, is it not true that he can do more with it than we can? Amen, church? But it all starts with what the woman teaches us. You have to start by letting go. And that comes from a broken heart.